and welcome to episode 74 of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. Uh, this week we have two segments for you. Kicking the show off is a full retrospective of the Star Fox series with myself, Neil, Tyler, and Nicholas. And after that we have the return of what we've been playing, and that's with Neil, Zach, Patrick, and uh, newcomer Curtis. Enjoy. been 20 years since Star Fox debuted in 1993, um, in case you didn't know that we're in 2013. But before we get to that point, it feels kind of weird uh, to do this episode, because earlier this week, when we were discussing the idea of doing this, I thought, maybe there's a Retronauts episode that's about Star Fox, and I could just, you know, because my original idea is like, oh, we could do a Star Fox thing kind of like Retronauts, and I was like, no, they probably already did that, and I searched it, and I listened to it. It was a good episode. You should check it out. I think it's from uh, around when Star Fox 64 3D came out. And then a few hours before we recorded this, we found out that 1UP, where Retronauts is, is, is no more. And it just feels kind of poignant to uh, kind of, you know, discuss that a little bit before we get into the Star Foxness. Um, I know I, for one, am super, super bummed about it. How about you guys? Who Who's here? Who are we? Uh, Scott Thompson. That's me. Nick Bray. Hey, guys. And Tyler Olu. Hey! But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really bummed out about uh, 1UP no longer existing, because I've, I've always been a fan, and I also did a lot of freelancing for them over the past couple <laughs> so years. You're, you're upset on two levels. <laughs> yeah, both monetarily and personally. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it really sucks. Like, uh, there's no doubt, no doubt in my mind that if it wasn't for 1UP, and specifically just the amazing array of podcasts, I, I would not be talking to you guys right now. I mean, yeah. I just, I started a, a stupid podcast with, with Nate, of all people, on 1UP. I mean, just with, with other, like, 1UP community members. And we just started recording about stupid stuff. And that just eventually kind of spiraled into being here editing and recording podcasts at Nintendo World Report. So, I mean... I just, I, there's, there's no way we would be doing this right now, or at least I wouldn't be doing this right now without that. And so it's just kind of shocking. I mean, not that One Up is now what it was then, but you know, I just kind of always thought it would be there, and it, it just, it's kind of a big part of me and like why I'm doing this. And it, it's just weird to yeah. think that it's gone now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know. I have, a, like, a, a good history with it, too. Like, I've always loved it. I think there was always the times when people were like, oh, man, like, Shane Benhausen left and Mark McDonald left and um, just various people, Jeff Green, like, but I just thought it was always good. Like, they always had a good vision. And it was, it, it yeah. freaked me out at how good their talent pool was. And then... I don't know if it was like a mo- it was just hard to make money off of <laughs> such a great talent and and so they just or or just their parent companies just kept making the worst of shit decisions. I, it was crazy. I, I think it's the the last part is I think the the ultimate truth is that they got dicked around by parent companies um by by uh companies that didn't really know how to do things in the online space and that somehow they become an online publishing giant and then buy the company again and then shut it down. I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, it's kind of inevitable when they were bought by IGN because there's a lot of redundancy between the two sites. And, like, from a business perspective, it kind of makes sense, I guess, but it's still a bummer because you had all these great brands. It's just when they're all under one roof, it's like, why do you have IGN and one up in GameSpy, unfortunately? Right, right. I mean, why have all this content spread across three different umbrellas (laughs) when you just be under one place and the most viewed and most popular place? Of the three, uh, just you know, have it all with IGN. Um, I don't know. I think there's something to them not having a hard time figuring out how to monetize what they were doing. Uh, not necessarily the people at One Up not being able to do it, but just the uh, just the parent companies. I mean, you had all these great podcasts and the One Up show, and there, sometimes there would be ads before them. But I think people most remember One Up for those things, and those are the things you got free. And most of the time, you know, yeah. there was no ad associated with them whatsoever. No it's way. really hard to make money off a of podcast. Yes. Unless you're like Nerdist or Smodcast, like it just doesn't really work, at least as far as, in, you know, our kind of enthusiast space. Right. Well, except for us, we do pretty good. Yeah, we, we roll in the mad dough. Like Nick's in Australia right now, but we actually flew him out to record this podcast. Yeah. We're all in the same room, despite <laughs> yeah. the fact that I think I hear a baby in the background. Like, <laughs> um, But yeah, so I, I think there's something to that, too. I think it was just all these great ideas. That are awesome, create you know, creatively, but in terms of business, they're just they couldn't monetize it, and I think that was the original fall of One Up, and then you know, in its new form with you know Jeremy Parrish at the helm, I think that's why you didn't see as many podcasts or shows. I mean, they tried and they would do them periodically, but it wasn't yeah. at all. I mean, you only had four people, right? Exactly. So there's only so much you could do, and they they borrow a yeah. lot of staffers from IGN to come onto their podcast, but. Yep. It just I think they knew they had to scale those back because it can't be a priority because you could argue that maybe it brings more people in because people listen and then they discover the site. But th- does that translate to people reading articles and clicking on ads and, and generating your revenue? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, a lot of people have ad blockers anyway. So. Right. Exactly. Yes. Well, well, I don't think I've actually really went to the site. So, um, so th- yeah. there you go. Next, the problem. I never listened to the yeah. podcast either. So. Oh. You you were doubly the problem. Yeah, you, know what, Nick, yeah. you need to turn around and get back on that airplane. <laughs> well, I, I downloaded that compilation um, show uh, this morning though. Once yeah, I heard the news that this year, yeah, that this year thing. That um... good stuff. When I um when I played through Diablo three this summer, um, I downloaded all the this years for um, GFW Radio and just listened to it. Was like six or seven <laughs> hours, and I just. That was like what accompanied me while I was like playing Diablo three because that game you don't need to be hearing or like see anything about what's going on. It was just easy to kind of zone out and listen to that. So, all right, so let's talk about some Star Fox. It's I guess 
we could probably go on on one up if you want to hear us talk more about one up in in memoriam uh let us know i guess yeah uh, maybe we'll do more about it it's cool it's so late in the week it's just too late to do something now but it'd be cool to yeah. maybe next week or in the near future revisit it and really really talk about it get some other end of year staffers on sure everyone's got a lot to say yeah. i'm sure rfn this week will probably actually talk heavily about it so yeah. they record tonight so it was perfect well as perfect timing as it could be for something so terrible but so star fox is a you know game originally made by argonaut software by dylan cuthbert and uh, giles goddard who were two like i think they were like 18 when they made star fox or around then because they were just basically like kind of hackers that uh Made this game X on Game Boy, which had a sequel on DSiWare called Xscape, which is really cool. Or 3D Space Tank in Europe and Australia. Oh, okay, I I did not know it had a, had a different name. Yes. Um. Did it, did X actually come out in Europe and Australia? Yeah, but it was called 3D Space Tank. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because it never. Oh no! Wait, so the original okay. one. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay. But um, yeah. So then Star Fox came out in 1993. How did you guys first experience Star Fox on Super Nintendo? Well, I experienced it on Super Nintendo, and it was pretty awesome. I don't know. I think... Uh, well, I, th- I think actually the only way to experience it is on Super Nintendo. I think... <laughs> it hasn't been ported to anything else. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's correct. Well, it wasn't on like an emulator or anything. It was. I was a kid, and I had Super Nintendo. But I can't yeah. even say it's something where, like, I had, like, Nintendo Power, and I was reading it, and I was like, oh, cool, Star Fox. I don't know how I ended up with it. I don't know if the... You know why? Because you saw that front cover with the fucking puppets, and you were just like, this is awesome. (laughs) There's a commercial with the puppets, too, wasn't there? I think there was. Pretty sure. You are witnessing a new technology. The first and only game powered by the Super FX Microchip. Why go to the next level when you can go light years beyond? You are Fox McCloud in Star Fox, only for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. It's real cheesy. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I think uh, they must have been advertising in, like, Canadian Living, and my mom saw it or something, and was like, oh, what is this? Foxes, animals, there's educa- space. It sounds educational. But um, <laughs> it's really, it was like, and it was so crazy. And uh, I guess, you know, obviously just the 3D, and I'm sure it's, and I remember it just being, like, super hard. Like, it was brutal. Like, the, yeah. the Super, like, Super Nintendo generation for me, at least from, what I was buying and getting at the time, like I didn't really have any. T- I didn't have. I never had a Battletoads. I guess Star Fox wasn't close to got the Battletoads. I don't think I ever beat that game. And then I traded it, like to let a, a neighbor borrow it for like Street Fighter Two. And it's like now you can get Street Fighter Two like on like the toaster. And I can't get Star Fox at all. And I'm like just. And it's so. It's not even an expensive game to rebuy. But I don't know why I would ever let him borrow that. He didn't move or anything. He just we stopped being friends. And he got really rude and never gave it back. <laughs> so my, my first experience with Star Fox and Super Nintendo was actually in like 2002 um, it, it's, I mean that's mainly because I, I've talked about it on the show before I didn't actually own a Super Nintendo until 2002 um, I, I was a Genesis kid and I had a Game Boy um, and then I also inherited my cousin's original Nintendo in like 1994 or 95 or something um and it's just kind of like because of all that confluence, and you know, I'm I'm a little on the younger side of of this generation. I grew up on Super Nintendo, so it's like I mean, I just went 
Genesis to NES to N64 and skipped it. But I went to a flea market and I got a Super Nintendo in-box that, when I bought that, it came with a copy of Star Fox in-box. I mean, not like new in-box or anything. They were, they were both, the boxes would beat the shit, although I still have both. But, so that was, that was technically the first Super Nintendo game that I owned. And I, I had played Star Fox 64, once again, only over friends' houses. Uh, I didn't own Star Fox 64 until, I think, like, 2004. Um, just because I, 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 never, I would play it over friends' houses, and that's how I'd experience the game. But I got Star Fox on Super Nintendo, and it kind of blew my mind. Like, I, I just really love the simplicity of that game. And I think that Star Fox 64 is a great game. But there's something about, like, kind of the high score aspect in, in Star Fox and Super Nintendo that, even though I was kind of shit at it, it, I mean, it's just really addictive, and there's that way to almost kind of, like, perfectly play a level, mm-hmm. where, I mean, of course, when you get later in the game, it becomes almost impossible to do that, but when you're playing it early on, like, there is that almost kind of rote memorization of going through the level and being like, alright, guy's popping up there, guy's popping up there, I'm gonna hit him, I'm gonna hit him, and, like, you can go flawlessly through levels that way. And looking back, that's how I liked a, a lot of games then, like, that's why I like Ninja Gaiden so much, because that was a game I played a lot. And got the rote memorization of, like, enemy's going to pop out there. If I go back too far, then he'll respawn, the fucking asshole. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of it's interesting you say that about the first level, because I think that's true for, especially Star Fox and Star Fox 64, and maybe Assault, but I, I never really played much Assault. I think knowing that those are the levels you're going to play the most, because that's always a starting point, and then you branch off and maybe see stuff you haven't seen as much or haven't seen at all, you know, if it's your first few times through. I think they did a really good job with those first levels of just making it where it was always kind of fun to go through, whether it's, you yeah. know, the, the the good luck or the seeing them run to the to the R-Wings or just, like you're saying, just the level up, level layout in general. I think they did a really good job with making it where you don't mind playing those levels over and over because Definitely. they're not overly challenging once you've played the game more than once or twice. But they're just like they're fun. They they perfectly embody what is fun about Star Fox. I'm not too sure about their length, but I guarantee you they're probably once you kind of know what you're doing, they're not much longer than like five minutes or so. No, I, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. I, I I gotta say so, I love this this history in my mind that I've created where Neil's first Super Nintendo game is Star Fox, and then he's like, oh man, I love the 3D the Super Nintendo can do. Let's see what else what other 3D it can do. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's not like I like lived in some cave. Right? <laughs> like I, I said, it's my weird history was. where like you had no access to what Super Nintendo was, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa. I mean, whoa, I, well, whoa. I was just like, I mean, I had a lot of friends who had Super Nintendo, and that's how I, I mean, I was exposed to Super Mario RPG that way, and I loved the shit out of that game, like you know, Super Mario World and, and Yoshi's Island, and even like I that I had gotten into emulation around that time too, or even before then. But it just Star Fox on emulation, I think, was kind of a bitch, if I recall. So I, I and also like I didn't. I didn't have a, an affinity for the series until I played it on Super Nintendo. Yeah, well, um, I played Star Wing, Star Wing at a friend's house. I think. Oh yeah, um, it, it's Star Fox now in Palmyra. Yeah, it's right? Star Fox from when the 3D remake of Violet was was came out. Oh, no, no, sorry, Star Fox Adventures was also Star Fox, but. Um, yeah, I played. I, all I can remember because it was like I was probably pretty young when. I was playing this. Like, it was a whole bunch of kids in a room, and we're just playing the asteroid level. That's all I can remember, really. And then it wasn't until like the early 2000s where I sort of um, played more of the game, because um, I didn't own a Super Nintendo. I didn't own a 64 until like 99, sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I, Star Fox, uh, Star Wing um, is like. 
probably my second favorite game after 64, I'd say. Oh, the original is your favorite? And yeah. The second um, favorite second in the series, favorite. you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably that's probably about right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't actually think I would be surprised if someone was just like, guess what? My top two Star Fox games aren't 64 <laughs> in the Super Nintendo one. Yeah. I think it's almost unanimously like, I mean, I, I have a soft spot for Assault, but it is not better than 64 of the Super Nintendo one. Right. Um, for me, it, it's kind of weird. I had a Super Nintendo, and like, I have, I still have my Super Nintendo from when I was a kid and all my games. Um, for, I sold a lot of things. Like, I don't have a, well, I have a 64 now, but I don't have my original 64. I don't have my original games, but for some reason I kept my Super Nintendo and all the games. I don't know if I just knew it'd be this legendary system one day that I'd want to have all these things. So, I, I guess, apart from Mario, I didn't really have, I didn't really know much about video games. I was so young. I mean, at this point, this came out in 93, I would have been 8. So, I mean, I didn't really know much about games, but I had an older cousin who was probably 11 or 12 who had his, like, I guess, like, finger much more on the pulse of what was going on in video games. And so I would get these sort of great, amazing games, like, for holidays because he would just recommend them to my grandma and my aunts and uncles and just other people to buy for me. So it's like, I have Earthbound and Super Metroid and Star Fox and these other (laughs) games, and I still have them today because he was basically like, yeah, just buy him these. I didn't ask for them. I didn't know. But, I mean, I'm obviously grateful now. So that's how I got Star Fox. It just sort of showed up one holiday. I mean, didn't really know anything about it. I probably, like, I, I kind of remember a commercial. I'm sure there was one. And so I'm sure I probably saw the commercial and thought, oh, that looks neat. And I think I remember there were even demo kiosks for the original Star Fox in, like, Sears and stuff. So I probably saw it and thought, like, wow, this looks incredible. But didn't think much more beyond that. But, um, yeah, so it just showed up one holiday. And I played it a lot. And, like, Tyler was saying it was hard. I never beat it. I never saw a lot of the levels still to this day. I should probably go through and try to play all the different branching paths and look at everything because I could probably do it now. But I just thought it was so cool even when it was running at like six frames per second. (laughs) Um, It just, it really, it really blew me away. And, you know, so I guess my point about first levels being awesome, I mean, it was still great to just throw it in and try to just get past the second or third level and end up dying and then stop. But just playing that first level with the music, and just everything oh, else, it, it was perfect. I know that's going to definitely intro this segment. Is that that first opening track from the yeah, original? I Star think Fox. If, if I could, if I could have music to accompany my life that I would also get to hear. <laughs> I think I might pick the music from the Super Nintendo Star Fox. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Not to get too off track, but with Star Fox, I think it's really fun to play it. And WarioWare smooth moves, and you're like, oh man, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Redo yeah, it like that. this, put it back on, like, because I and it even controlled fine. I would deal with it. I don't care. Like, just let me play the first Star Fox, let it run smooth. That'd be amazing. Yeah, sixty frames like, per second of oh, that man. same art style would be so good. Be cool uh, for the uh, like you know the Wii U's doing these thirty cent releases now. They just did Star Fox, and yeah, just had it had it run right, you know, and like have it run well. That would be cool. I mean, my thing with uh, Smooth Moves is that it kind of broke my heart, because I remember playing that and being like, they're going to make a Star Fox game, this is going to be amazing, and I'm, I'm still waiting. It's been it's been eight years. Yeah, I was still ignorant at that time, and I was like, oh man, Virtual Console, like, maybe they'll kind of like redo things a bit every now and then. No, that's not. Yeah. No. Nope. They did a little bit. Well, I know Star, Star Fox 64 is a weird is something weird happened there with on the Virtual Console, but I'm sure we'll get to it. Yeah, they did do something to the the 64 version, but even other games. I, I always think of 
Pokemon Snap and how you could share pictures with people on your your Wii friend yeah. list, which is I cool. did that way too much. Yeah. But, well, no, I just shared that. I post them to the to like the the wall and look back at them. Yeah, like that was cool. I love Pokemon Snap. They should have done more like that. They didn't do enough. Pokemon of it. Snap, you, damn it, <laughs> Snap, you. Right, where you're just rotating the the gamepad in real time to yeah. take pictures. I mean, come on, come on. Get get Google or whoever made that Wii Street U app. Get them to make it. Oh, I'm just saying, I've got an um, unused set of those Pokemon Snap stickers still. <laughs> oh, the ones, well, how did you guys do them? Because for, like, here in America, we'd go to uh, Blockbuster and print them out, and I had them all over my, like, entertainment, like, my, like, CD player, <laughs> like, my, like, three, my three-disc CD player that I had in my bedroom. Actually, I, I don't know, I don't know where I got them, but anyway, that's a different story for a different day. I suppose. Yeah, for when we celebrate the release of Pokemon Snap U. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let it happen. Uh, so these next these next couple games on our list are in parentheses because they never came yeah. out. Well, um, Star Fox Two. Has anyone played Star Fox Two? There's a yeah, there's a, a little bit a ROM on it. Yeah, a bit. I mean, didn't so, it eventually? Didn't it basically just become Star Fox Command? So, well, yeah, kind of. of. Aren't there yeah, some sort similarities? Of. Some of the story stuff got kind of looped into six. Or I think some of the gameplay stuff got looped into sixty four, and some of the story stuff kind of became Command. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, I've never played it. I've always kind of been interested, but I don't, yeah. I, for whatever reason, I don't really dabble around much in those kind of like half-finished or, you know, just ROMs that show up online. I don't know why. It's I pretty mu- It's pretty much complete. Like, it's yeah. not Is it? too bad. There's like a strategy guide for it yeah. that was written, and then I think they published it, and then, like, in terms of, I think it was like, I just remember that was a whole thing with, like, EGM, someone was able to play through it all and wrote strategies on it, yeah. and then it was like, oh, you're not, you're not releasing this, eh? That's weird. That is weird. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the I whole thing was, it was too close to the 64 coming out. And uh, I think well, the, the hearsay around it was like, it was all Miyamoto's decision. Like, he'd rather just hold off and instead of releasing a 3D game on the Super Nintendo um, to compete again, like almost against the 64. Like, just to be like, well, you're 64 and here's why Star Fox is better on it. Yeah, I guess that that would make sense. Because I said they were still releasing games plenty late on the Super Nintendo with the N64 looming or already out. I mean, Donkey yeah. Kong Country 3 uh, is a prime example. But but if you notice, none of them were in 3D. Right. Well, and then Mario RPG, didn't that come out? 96? Yeah, but that was like isometric. Yeah, like, I, I suppose. Sort of. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it wasn't like you're moving around in 3D space right. as much. So, but yeah. But yeah, I should check that out. Yeah, and apparently there was a, a tech demo for Star Fox on Virtual Boy that was shown off in an event that seems like it might have kind of become Red Alarm. This makes sense. This seems like a good platform for a Star Fox game. Like, not I'm not being sarcastic at all. Like, it, it does make sense. <laughs> but um, you know, pe- people who yeah, people who saw the tech demo apparently were very impressed by it and looked a lot better than Red Alarm. But it never happened, obviously, as the Virtual Boy kind of died a swift death. So, how about uh, Star Fox 64? When did you guys first play this, and, and what are your feelings on it? How about we'll start with Scott? Um, my first thought was, this is awesome, and the Rumble Pack is the freaking coolest. Um, I just remember seeing it sitting on store shelves in that huge-ass box, and just thinking, God, I want this so bad. <laughs> um, and I got it relatively close to launch, and I loved it. I mean, it... It was just so good. I mean, the, the branching paths, I, I found whether or not I was just better at games or it was just easier than Star Fox. Probably just easier than the original Star Fox. Oh, but it totally is. It was just, it was great to go through it and go through all the different ways. And just, you know, at that time, 
I mean, the internet was just sort of coming around, but it was still easy to kind of have secrets in games. And so just the fact that you were realizing that different paths you took kind of tinkered with the ending up to the point that you actually, like, saw Fox's dad and stuff. And, like, all you know, just all these different things that uh, that would go on and how it would change the outcome of the game in little ways. Um, I, that, do, that... I do remember I never owned the game, but I kind of, like, uh, experienced it, like, sort of playground, well, I guess... Yeah, I still would have been on a playground. Yeah, that would have been like I think like fifth or sixth grade when it came out. Um, but uh, I do no even younger than that. But I do kind of remember that like hearing about that story of that game and how it's like it's like Star Wars. It's so cool. Oh Did yeah, you get to for the sure. one where you just fight the brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's totally epic and it does draw a lot on uh on Star Fox for sure. Or I'm sorry, Star Wars for sure. Um. But yeah, and then just like, you know, the high, it, it was all just basically competing for high scores, getting the medals and all that kind of stuff. And I thought it looked amazing at the time. I still think it actually looks like a pretty, pretty good for an N64 game. But I mean, it just really, it really blew away the original in, in terms Definitely. of, in terms of everything. I don't think there's anything from Star Fox that people would prefer to Star Fox 64. I, I mean, I still kind of prefer the Super Nintendo one. Really? Weird. But, I mean, like, definitely, like, 64 3D was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, like, that makes that game almost flawless in my eyes. And, I mean, I think that's just how high of a, a I guess, a platform, pedestal, whatever, that I hold both 64 and the Super Nintendo one on is that I think both games are really, really amazing. Right. How about that? Uh, we've talked about it before on the podcast, but the promotional tape from Nintendo Power? Oh, so good. Perfect, right? Did Nick, yep. did you ever get that? Did they have um, that, like, I have no idea because I didn't. I wasn't really into video games until like you know 2000, so I didn't oh, I didn't okay. even pl- I didn't even play Star Fox until uh, 2001 at a friend's house, and he was really good at it. So um, H- have, you seen, have you ever seen? Have you ever yeah, seen? Have you ever seen? Yeah, I've watched it on YouTube and stuff. Okay, good, good. <laughs> as long as you've seen yeah. it, <laughs> yeah, it's a classic. Pizza for Bob. Are you uh, Bob? Yeah, but. Uh... I didn't order any pizza. Look <laughs> mm, good pizza, Peter. Glad you could join us, <laughs> Bob. Your test fighter pilot just spilled his guts about Star Fox '64. Peter, you didn't tell him about the Rumble Pack, did you? No, Bob. You just did. I did. You did. Spill it, big boy. Make me. With pleasure. <laughs> Look at your little plumber boy now. What are you doing? That's a Mario Donald jump to the battery table concert, Dad. That's enough. That's enough. All right. This is the Rumble Pack. The big reason why Star Fox 64 is the coolest cinematic gaming experience there is. It's designed with a force feedback device that lets players feel the game. Wait a second. You're telling me that this Rumble Pack actually lets players feel the game? What? 
I don't even know if but, it would have come out here. Like, I don't think they would have distributed it uh, in Australia anyway. So I was going to ask, was there a Nintendo Power in Australia? Well, there was an official Nintendo magazine until like, what, 98 or something. Oh, okay. And, um, so I have no idea. Yeah, maybe not. Huh, I didn't even really think about that. Well, I guess probably not, because they would have had to have reshot the whole thing, because, I mean, they call it Star Fox the entire time. So oh, yeah. if it's Star Wing in PAL regions, yeah, they would have had to reshot it. It was Lilat Wars over yeah. here. Yeah. Oh, Lilat Wars. Well, it was yeah. also, uh, well, I know that, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Star Fox 64, the, the promotional tape, it was, it was a Nintendo of America production. I mean, it was with Nintendo Power, yeah. which was only North sure, America based. Sure, sure. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. I didn't realize that only America would have seen that. Huh. Yeah. Not now, obviously, but at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, my experiences with Star Fox 64 is kind of what I alluded to, where like I had friends that had that had it, and I played a little bit. I remember playing some of the multiplayer, but I wasn't like totally taken by it then. It wasn't until I I got my hands on my own copy and played through it, and you know, found out all the all the different level exits and stuff that I really fell in love with the game. And then, I mean, that's why I love the 3DS version because then I kind of had more time. To, to tinker with it and mess around with it as opposed to, you know, playing it in, like, 2004 when I could have been playing, like, Metroid Prime 2 or something. For me, um, I think I was away at my grandparents. <clears throat> I came home, and uh, I got the tape, so I probably just, like, talked my parents into watching it and forcing them into all this weird Star Fox 64 knowledge and stuff. And uh, sure enough, I came home from my grandparents, and there was, like, an open Star Fox 64 box, and, like, my dad tried it out. Meanwhile, he hadn't played, like, a single video game, like, ever, I think. Like, I think I played, I think I played like, combat on the Atari with him. Anyways, so he didn't like it. He thought it was, he thought it was terrible. But um, uh-huh. I loved it. I remember, like, the, the just the big cover box, like Scott said, with the uh, roll pack in it. And uh, just that, that feeling of, like, what just, just the constant explosions, the voice acting blew me away. Like, it was so awesome. Like, everyone, everyone remembers lines from that game. It's just fantastic. And um, just and so so much dialogue. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. constant. Yeah, it's not stop. It's, and it's so good, and it's like there's the characters have character. Like, it's just really goofy and fun and really just perfect. And um, the visuals were great at the time, like, just beautiful. Um and just, like, the optional paths, like, just, you'd see this whole galaxy, you know, in front of you and all these paths, and you're like, well, how do I get up there? And how do I avoid Aquos? Because it's, like, the worst level in the entire game. <laughs> and I always thought it was me, and, because I remember, like, I was, like, I had trouble, and then one time I was, like, well, you know what? I'm going to barrel roll through this entire stage as much as I can. And that was the only way I could ever beat it, just constantly hitting, uh, I think, like, the Z trigger, like, just constantly, constantly, constantly hitting it, just so I could, just so I could roll. And whatever reason, that worked. Like, I felt like the fight, you, because of the, the crazy slowdown in that level, you couldn't, like, correctly, like, time yourself with, like, the shots that were coming at you, and there's a lot going on in the level. It was, it was, I think it was on, like, the harder path, but I might be mistaken. But anyways, Aquas was terrible. Um, and, uh, and I never got, I was terrible at getting medals. I get some, so I never got to have cool Star Fox with his like dead maybe his dead dad's glasses on, and yeah. I didn't get to have any of that cool stuff. But I did pretty good. I did like the brain, like you guys said. I fought the brain, um, and it, I remember <laughs> Andros like when he's laughing, like his face jiggles, and it's like so creepy. Like he's got like the loosest skin. <laughs> it's so gross. 
But right. Uh, well, it just it looks like the the Mario sixty four like face model. <laughs> he's gonna and grab his yeah, nose just, and shake it around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird too. Yeah, and I know that with um with the roll pack, like now I can't play without it in the controller. Like it it adds like a heft that I really like in the controller, and uh, so I play. Yeah, I used to do the same. I used to just leave it plugged in, even with games that didn't yeah. support it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, um, I remember like beating it and like celebrating, and you know, it's probably like forty-five minutes after my parents just gave it to me, and they're like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "Beat Star Fox '64," and uh, and you know, you you I'm replay, it, but they don't I, understand. I'm that. picturing you dancing right now. Yeah. They uh, they don't understand. They think that that's it. Of course, I'm going to replay it. It's fantastic and really fun credit roll, and you get to stamp. I think. It, like, shows some weird certificate of, like, the money that you, you get owed, and, like, you put, like, this sweet Starbucks yeah. stamp on it. You're like, you got to pay up now. Pay yeah. the piper. That's right. Come on, it, Pepper. It's, Open your coffers, damn it. First, it's just, like, Fox is the hero. I mean, you do kind of forget that they're basically, like, guns for hire. Yeah. Like, they easily could have just not helped. <laughs> it's... What if Andros had hired Star Fox? Yeah, exactly. They save the whole galaxy, and then they go collect their paycheck. I wonder who was hired first, Star Fox or Star Wolf? Because obviously, you know, both mercenary groups. Yeah, that would be funny to see the roles switched. Maybe Star <laughs> Wolf. Star maybe Wolf. Pepper asked Star Wolf, but then they were asking too much, so he went with Star Fox instead. And then they were really angry about it, so. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Goldeneye come up before Star Fox, but it supported the Rumble Pack? I don't think... No, um, Star Fox is always touted as being the first game with the Rumble Pack. So. Yeah, Star Fox came out in, like, March 97. When did Goldeneye come out? I think September 97. No, June, it came out, Star Fox 64 came out in Japan in April 97. And then June, June in North America, and then Goldeneye, give me... Yeah, yeah, August 97, so oh, it was, like, okay. two months it's away. Close. Okay, so Goldeneye was just the next game to support it, okay. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought Goldeneye came out just a little bit before, but supported it, even though it wasn't out yet. So I remember, I thought, I remember just being really excited for the Rumble Pack to come out so I could use it in Goldeneye, but I guess it obviously didn't work that way. <laughs> yeah, I know, because I, I got my, uh, I got my Nintendo 64 in, um, for my birthday in 1997, and I, I don't really know why, like, I didn't really want Star Fox 64, because that would have been, like, I would have gotten it, and then the hype machine would have, like, barreled me over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I had a subscription to Nintendo Power at the time, too, because I remember having some sweet Shadows of the Empire coverage in Nintendo Power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that green guy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize how long a gap it was between Star Fox 64 and then the next game on our list. Yeah. Uh, Star Fox Adventures was the next entry in the Star Fox series. It was originally Dinosaur Planet. supposed to be a Nintendo 64 game. and wound up being the last game that Rare ever made with Nintendo. And it came out in, I, guess, I think it was September 2002. It was, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so Star Fox Adventures was kind of like Legend of Zelda, but also just kind of shit. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Did, it wasn't that bad. So, so have we all, have we all played this game, or yeah. did some of I've played it like it? twice or three times, I think. Wow, I, I almost got to the end. I wound <laughs> up, my, my friend had a save file that was right at the end boss, so I ended up just just played that when I got to a certain point because I was like, dude, this is this is bad. It's only like 13 hours long. Yeah, I think I was probably yeah. at like hour 7 or 8. The fire uh, looked good. I can say that. It looked, graphically, it looked fantastic. <laughs> you can like, see like the, the little stuff I- individual really cool. hairs of Fox's tail, yeah. Yeah. 
and I really wanted to like this game because the, the concept of it, I mean, even though it's like, you know, taking Fox and putting him on foot and taking that up his R-Wing, you still had some pretty cool R-Wing stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I mean, I, you know, fucking loved Ocarina of Time and they were like, it's like a Zelda game. I'm like, all right, this sounds like it'll be really cool. But there yeah. was just something about it. Like, I just like, I remember playing a lot of it, but not really enjoying it that much. And that was, I think it was the start of me not wanting to obsessively complete games. So I could just blame that on Star Fox Adventures for why I just <laughs> quit on a game when I'm just like, eh, I'm a couple hours in and it's not really that much fun. Well, I think there was a lot to collect. There was a lot to collect and stuff, right? Yeah. It wasn't just like Mario 64 where you got to just kind of run around and have fun. And it really wasn't like Zelda where you got to run around and have fun. I mean, it was, yeah. it, it, it was obviously made by the people who made Donkey Kong 64. I, know, I remember a lot of it. Wasn't a lot of it optional though? Like it was only a few things that you had to collect. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. No, you might be right. It's been so long since I... I mean, I haven't played it since it came out. I um, This was this is probably one of the first video games I bought with like my own money from having a job. In 2002, <laughs> I would have had my, my first job at Burger King and uh, was doing that. And yeah, it came out. It was a, I remember distinctly, it was a Friday night and I was with some friends and we went to this awesome like local game store that obviously doesn't exist anymore because those don't exist anymore. Um, and you know, they, they had a huge TV set up and someone was just like sitting on a beanbag chair playing Star Fox, which had just come out earlier that week. And the guy who was working, who I knew from school, he was in my grade. He was, you know, it was, it was his after school job. I was like, yeah, man, we got Star Fox in this week. It looks pretty sweet. I was like, yeah, man, it does. Let me get Star Fox. And so I just bought it like on a whim. I, I probably, I mean, I, I think I kind of set out to get it. I mean, I liked Star Fox. I was still playing games. Not a huge surprise I bought it, but I just saw this fox running around, and like I said, like the little wisps of his tail and everything, and I was just like, that looks awesome. I like to think so you I bought it. handed him the cash, and the guy was like, yeah, and that cat girl looks really hot, and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> I should not have listened to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's a weirdo. And, uh, yeah. And he's like, Prince Tricky's the coolest character <laughs> since Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> totally you're like, man, man you're, you're an idiot. And then we, he's the king of the world. Store. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, like Tony Hawk comes in. He replaces Falco. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was. I thought it was decent at the time. I didn't. I don't remember really having problems with it when I played it then. I mean, I beat it, but now, obviously, looking back at it and, and reflecting on it, it it really wasn't that great. It you wasn't know, kinda, unplayable, but yeah, kind of, kind of thinking about it, I think Star Fox Adventures would have been better if if Star Fox or if Fox McCloud just rode a skateboard the entire game. <laughs> sure. Any vehicle. I'm thinking about just like like a fucking open world game, like I mean like like a Tony Hawk game, but like where you fight people. Yeah, like, that'd be pretty cool. Someone <laughs> get on that. Yeah. The um the R wing levels in that would probably be terrible. <laughs> the R wing levels in Adventures was um I liked them a lot actually. They looked really nice and uh, the con- the controls. I found the controls were really really nice as well. Like the um I think you could gradually uh, the Battle rolls and that were analog, so you could slowly squeeze the triggers and then click, and then they would barrel roll. But um, the one thing I had, the one problem I had with those levels was that they were very easy and just sort of, they weren't really that difficult. They were just there just to sort of fill in time and like get you from place to place or something. Like, right, they were like almost like bonus levels. Yeah, they were just like, yo, they're cool to fly through, but there was no challenge to them. Right, like, dude, I don't know if you guys have played the um the first oh god, what, Kingdom Hearts game, 
Pete, they've got like the gummy ship levels or whatever, where it's kind of like that, where it's like a, you know, almost like a shoot 'em up. Oh, the gummy ship levels in the first one were fucking They were terrible, but it was that same kind the of idea. The second one was a lot better. It's not like they were yeah. necessarily challenging. They just, it, 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 the ones in Kingdom Hearts became annoying after a while. The, the ones in Star Fox weren't annoying, but yeah, it was just like, like you're saying, Nick, like mm-hmm. uh, just a way to connect A to B, but not present challenge because they don't want to like stop your progress. So. Yeah. I think Star, Star, the Star Fox series shows that there's an art to quarter shooters that they're not the easiest thing like you think it would be it's just like oh it's just like a thrill ride like you know people say about call of duty and stuff like that like it's just like oh it's just you know a roller coaster and it takes you through places but it's not that easy it's can be pretty difficult oh yeah for sure so the next game on the list is a game that i think is a lot better than all the crap that people think on it <laughs> and that's star fox assault which was developed by namco bandai and came out in 2005 and how Scott was talking about how Star Fox Adventures was one of the first games he bought with his money. I don't think this was the first game that I bought with my with my own money, but it was a game that I was really, really looking forward to. And I distinctly remember, like, counting the days down to when it was coming out and then going in and getting it. Because also, if you, if you follow what I was talking about earlier, this would have been like, you know, I, I first got into the series like two to three years before this and was probably playing Star Fox 64 leading up to Assault coming out. And I definitely, like, I mean, like, the on-foot and Landmaster stuff is really rough. Yeah. And, I mean, mostly that's because everything controls, like, a vehicle. Yeah. yeah. It's even, like, a, it's like the, the, the team last played Goldeneye and was like, yeah, this is what people yeah. like. This is pretty popular, I think. Because it's the whole, yeah. like, one stick to move, and then the other stick, you have to hold down a trigger to move your reticle, and the, it's yep. weird. I mean, like, it's, it's weird, but my thing is that, like, I loved how batshit crazy the story was. Mm-hmm. Um... Because, I mean, I don't know. Have you guys played this game all the way oh, through? Oh, God, yes. Uh, I've seen some of it. Most of it, I think. This is this is the only one I never played. I played a demo of it in Walmart. It was just, <laughs> I just, just want to say that, like, basically, like, in this game, like, almost everyone dies at some point. Or another, yeah, it's messed but up. But then they're all back at the end. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's like, 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 the enemy's like bugs, like, right? I mean... <laughs> Yeah, well, what they're the the, the aperoids, which are like these in, these insect parasite characters. So, like, I mean, how, how some of the characters die is they get like infected by the aperoids, and the way that they deliver the story really is kind of an evolution of Star Fox sixty four. I mean, it's extremely cinematic, and you have stuff where it's like you know you're fighting Pigma Dengar, who's kind of gone rogue and is fighting against you. He's he's pairing up with the aperoids because you know he's a, he's a scumbag, and then he eventually like gets like altered yeah. by the aperoids, and then you fight like it's it's kind of like like the aperoids are almost sort of like the thing from uh you know the movie the thing sure and it's like pigma dengar is like the the monster at the end almost and he's not even the final boss naturally you need to fight the queen and that makes everything better. oh yeah makes sense With but like oh my oh man it's it's like it's like the story like the the gameplay yeah totally admit some of the areas are rough mostly when you're on foot or in a landmaster when you're in the air it's fantastic it's i mean great open world or great uh great on rail stuff um i seem to remember just, like, i seem it's wonderful i seem to remember the um flying stuff though like i wasn't happy with the sense of speed it felt really slow um like i do it definitely was a little slower yeah uh, that was one of the things i had a problem with but yeah Star Fox Assault was awesome. It was really good. I really liked it. Uh, it was from, I think, uh, I think I said it was already, it was like the Ace Combat team, <laughs> but I've never played an Ace Combat game I like, so I don't know why I would bring that up. 
But um, sure enough, it's, it's by them, and it's good. The uh, the on-foot stuff, I think, obviously, that's, you know, people just want Star Fox in the air. But I think there's always a concern that a quarter shooter isn't going to sell anymore. Like, it's, you know, like, it, or they're very hard to make long games, although Kid Icarus proved that wrong. Um, <laughs> well, there's on-foot stuff in that, too. So I guess everyone has, I guess Star Fox Assault and Kid Icarus Uprising are not the, not too far apart. But um, uh, they both had their issues with con- with controls to some people. But yeah, it's a weird control scheme in Star Fox Assault. Um, but it's so good, and there's some moments that they get so right, and when those yeah. moments are when you're Fox on the ground, and you can also get into a vehicle. And I was talking to, with Neil about this over Twitter, and there was like this awesome level where you're like in this space station, and then like you're just running around, and then shit starts yeah. to go down outside, and you have to like run over and board your uh, your um, R wing and just and just jet outside, and then take care of business out there, and then get back into the task at hand inside the station. Like it was really really good. It was fantastic. They did a great job. Um, I look. I remember that game. Awesome. I was like so fondly. I don't know if it was the same in the states, but the <laughs> Nintendo like late. I don't know, like, late GameCube games, like, had some weird thing here where, like, they put, like, a bestseller sticker on it, like, when it came out. Like, I have, like, <laughs> yeah, a day I one copy that. of it. And it says bestseller <laughs> on it. And I remember WarioWare Smooth Move says, said, says like, new for 2006 or whatever. Like, it has some weird thing on it. But Starbucks Assault had that, and it had some contest that I would never enter because it terrified me. And it was to, like, be a co-pilot on like a, on, like, a fighter jet. And I was like, no, no, no. Give me, like, one of the puppets from Star Fox or something. I do not want that prize <laughs> at all. <laughs> it was crazy. But Star Fox Assault was really good. I think it does get ragged on. I think it's just, just you know, people wants, just want them in the air. Like, they just want those flying levels. And I don't disagree um, but uh, it's still it's still done really really well. I, I I still enjoy it. It might be hard to get into now just because of how awkward the control scheme is. I try to replay it because I know how fun it is. But even now it's just like it's very very hard. I don't think you can like oh I think I don't think you can aim and shoot at the same time. Like you can shoot and run, but it's always just straight ahead. When as soon as you want to aim, it's like it, the game stops. It's it's like Resident Evil Four. Like you have to stop and aim. So. Well, it was kind of like um, Rogue Squadron, the third one, I think, where they had a lot of out-of-vehicle levels. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and like Luke and Han bad. and everyone just controlled terribly. Like, <laughs> that was just this weird thing that was going on at the time that just didn't work, because you're right, because they wouldn't make, like, new, I don't know, new, not an engine, but I don't know what the word would be, but they just wouldn't make, like, humans control any differently. It really was like it was just a new vehicle. and it, it, they, yeah. it wouldn't work in any of these games. Well, probably part of the reason why you had that uh, is... I mean, you remember the crap that uh, I think, like, Sonic Team and Sega said when, I guess it was the Werehog game? Yeah. Oh, man, that game. (laughs) But they made the comments about, like, oh, if we made a game where you're just moving around real fast, it'd be, like, an hour and a half long. And I think that, you know, developers and publishers got really conscious about how long their game was because, you know, people were kind of shying away from larger investments or whatever, and they wanted a game that gave them 20 hours of gameplay. So you had this stuff where you'd slow down the pace and make people, you know, not just be moving on a on a rail in a straight line. Um, and then you kind of lengthen the game. But it's weird because I think Star Fox 64 did it. Well, I guess Star Fox 64 is really short, but then you have, like, the, uh, the all-range mode stuff. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, there was enough extra content and, like, additional ways to play the game that it, it was okay that it was short, because you almost wanted it to be short. You didn't want it to be 10 hours long, and then you've got to play it again to see the other ending or take a different path. Um, so it kind of worked in that regard. But I don't know. I mean, Tyler, you brought up 
uh, Kid Icarus and how long Kid Icarus is. I'd love to see a Star Fox game that's as long as Kid Icarus and just has all yeah. these levels and all this production value. That'd be awesome. I, I want to see Platinum Games make that Star Fox game that, uh, that whatchamacallit, that, um, goddamn, Kamiya keeps on talking about. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Like, I, I feel like we are, we are on, on the progression to Kamiya making a fucking Star Fox game and that excites me so that'd be much. pretty awesome. It'd be good. Because every, everything that man touches is gold. <laughs> um, one thing that's funny too, and I'm sure Neil, uh, I'm uh, Neil knows this obviously. Well, I, I, but I remember the whole thing was 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 Sakurai that they were like, you want to make Star Fox or you want to make Kid Icarus? And he's like, I'll go with Kid Icarus. There's more I can do there. And I could see how he may have felt limited, and that you could do more, you know, the Kid Icarus world because there really isn't much character to it. But um, but you can see like how easily that could have just become a Star Fox game, like. Just in in every single way, but uh, but we got Kid Icarus, and I won't complain. So yeah, um, the multiplayer in this game is really cool too, and there was a shit ton to unlock throughout it as well. You know, a lot of different characters, different weapons, different vehicles, um, and I mean it was a hell of a lot better than the Star Fox sixty four multiplayer, <laughs> uh, and it was really cool because you could also do the stuff that that Tyler was talking about where. You know, you go from running on foot to hopping in an R wing and then shooting your friends, and it's it's great. So there was also a Star Fox arcade game that I think was supposed to come out of this whole Namco Nintendo partnership. It probably would have been on that Triforce uh, arcade board that I think what was it? It was Namco, Sega, and Nintendo that made it, and that's where uh, F Zero AX came out of, um, which is really really neat. Um, I saw one of like the full the full um, things, the the full arcade cabinets for F Zero, and it was neat. But the Star Fox arcade game never went anywhere, probably because Assault was very poorly received. And launching. I don't know how well it sold. I have a feeling it didn't sell too well. Um, so Star Fox Command oddly came out like a year after Assault, which is it's just weird when you think. Yeah, about I, didn't, it. I didn't realize that. Really, I, I'm, I'm double checking, but uh, it felt like yeah. it felt like ages. I don't know why, but I was surprised. It was like it was like a it was like a year and a half because uh-huh. uh, Assault came out at least in North America in February 2005. Oh uh, yeah, and and actually, in Europe, it looks like Command came out in July 2006, so it was a little earlier. Mm. Um, so there was like a year and a half. Mm. But, yeah, so Command, I I didn't get right away. I wound up finding it pretty cheap, um, like probably a year or so after it came out. And I played through it, and I honestly didn't enjoy it that much. Like, like not really at all. I didn't like the, the kind of the tactical aspects of it because it felt very restrictive and kind of stupidly difficult because you'd be going through these areas and you'd have a limited amount of turns and there was kind of no way to like explore. It's kind of like the anti fire emblem in my book because fire emblem, like you can take as many damn turns as you want and explore the area if you really want to. Whereas this one, it's kind of like you need to know what you're doing or else then you're going to get game over and start over the whole thing again. I um I like this game actually. I, at the time, I had a job where I was I would work alone, and it was just customer service. So I just helped customers to come in, and if no one was in, then I got to read or play video games or do whatever I want. And so this accompanied me for probably a good week or two. So I, I think I saw every ending. Um, what? Just the end. The endings are real funny. They are just just because I enjoyed the game. So yeah, I was like, okay, cool. I can do this. I can play this different ways to get all the endings. So I, I pretty much saw. I'm, I'm almost positive I saw them all. Isn't there like twelve or fifteen different endings or something? Yeah, that's what I was about right. Exactly. It, it's 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 in there. It's over ten. 
Um, and it, yeah, they they are silly. The whole game's kind of silly. Like the writing's pretty good. Um, I think it kind of pokes fun at the whole Star Fox universe in a way. I mean, there's just sort of it's just kind of bloated at at, at that point. There were so many characters and everything. Um, nine endings. Oh, just nine? Okay, I thought it was more yep. than that. But either way, um, I like the tactical aspect. I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, but I just like tactical games in general. So I like splitting up the ships and exploring and finding the, you know, hidden power-ups and fuel and, and doing all that kind of stuff and then transitioning to the all-range mode um, and killing a bunch of shit. So I enjoyed it. I'm not saying it was perfect. I don't necessarily think there needs to be, a, like, a sequel on 3DS. At this point, I want a real Star Fox game, but... For what it was, yeah. I, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I um I picked it up on when it came out, and I uh I think I have some weird thing with Star Fox. My parents buying it, buying it for me, because I forgot to say that Star Fox Assault. The reviews were really poor, so I was like, oof, I better not chance it. I'm gonna ask for this for my birthday, so I got my parents to buy it for me instead. <laughs> and then I think Command was like, I don't know, I don't know, I, I must have. I made my dad proud in some way or something, and he bought me Star Fox Command. I don't know what happened, but either way, he got me Star Fox Command. And uh, I think I, I preferred the the tactical parts, like the command parts, um, where you, like, you know, you draw lines for your ships to follow, and, and then you uh, you bring the Gray Fox in, and just it just, just destroyed anything. Like, it had a few, like, just a few shots or something, but uh, it could yeah. just take out anything and just one kill. It was awesome. But then right. I remember... Um, I think this is a thing with like <clears throat> Q games, like they really like to take advantage of the hardware, and like the, all the um, the R wing stuff, like the actual like three you know dog fighting was like all touch based, and uh, yeah. and it worked, but those levels were like very very bland, and they all were just like just kill fest. Like what well, there was a stage in Star Fox sixty four. I remember there was a mothership. I can't remember the exact name, but that one too was like it was all everything was just triggered by killing certain enemies. Uh, but, but like a particular number, and it was just the same and stuff like that. So I actually looked forward to the tactical stuff. <clears throat> but the game's story is like it's weird selling point, and it's like I hate to say this because I feel bad like as that someone drew this, but I think the art is like terrible, but like awesome terrible. Like I do not like the design <laughs> of the characters, but like it's fantastic, and like they have like a weird girl frog for Slippy that he gets married to, and he has kids, yeah. and then he passes down yep. stories of Star Fox. It's like so good. Oh man, my favorite one is um the one uh, just because it gets like weird people's heads like mind stirring, and it's where um I think like it's not is it cat or yeah, yeah cat or crystal? I can't remember. I don't. I can't. I oh wait, probably, probably crystal. Probably crystal. I think she joins Star Wolf, and then Star Fox is like. Oh my god, I, I want to just die. And the Falk was like, come on, buddy. Let's go turn our R wings into like yeah. F Zero cars, but G Zero cars. <laughs> and they join like the G Zero League. It's like, yeah. it's yep. fantastic. It's that so is, good. That is the best ending of Star Fox. And then Fox. just because then people are like, oh my god, fuck Crystal. Captain Falcon and Star Fox can hang out and then have high fives <laughs> together. And uh, that was probably the best part to come out of that. Well, I mean, isn't. What is it? James McCloud is a racer in F Zero. Oh, yeah. oh, that's right. Yep, as a human, human yeah. James McCloud. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got he's got the hair. He does. And yeah. the clothes and the R wing ship. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I found a Crocomire skull in Fire Emblem Awakening. So then that links that universe. <laughs> what, what level was that in? Because I saw you tweet it, but I don't remember seeing. Uh, I think it was in Chapter Nine. I think I had to save forever just because. Twitter wasn't working. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's just like some desert stage. It's the level where, oh, I can't say. Uh, <laughs> it's something really big happens in that level, 
Um, All right. To um, the what's the the queen's name or Emerald or M? I just know they call her uh, okay. M. Something Emerald. happens to her Emerald. in that level. Okay, and it's that level. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. So that's a pretty uh, pretty interesting thing where Nintendo leaves vague clues of <laughs> the universe is like not combining into one scary, freaky place. So, um, yeah, so Star Fox 64 3D was the next game to come out after about five years. Um, I, I know actually uh, about two years ago, Nick was on a, a podcast segment with, uh, I think, who else was it? Uh, James Dawson mm-hmm. and was Scott there? JP, and I, I think Zach was there. No. I don't think Scott was. Oh, okay. This was very early. I think this was this might have been the first episode of Connectivity ever really? that we talked about Star Fox 64. Maybe, really. yeah, maybe it was the first episode. It was the first podcast I was on. I know that much. Yeah, I think it was the very first episode of Connectivity, and I actually went back and listened to that. Um, and Nick, we liked the game, if you, if you don't remember. Uh, I liked it? Damn. I hate it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Screw this game. I actually have kind of a funny story about that game. Um, so I ended up selling my copy with the intention to buy it digitally. I actually <laughs> sold it to I sold it to Nate Andrews. Um, and then I was for this segment, I realized that uh, I'm in the process. I'm I'm going to be moving like a week or so, so I have a lot of stuff packed up already. And I, you know, prepping for this podcast, I was like, I don't have a Star Fox game on hand to play because you know I I don't have it on virtual con- I don't have 64 in virtual console. I don't have command anymore, and my GameCube and my N64 and my Super Nintendo are all out of reach. They're all packed up. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll get Star Fox 64 3D off of the eShop. And I'm like, it's 40 bucks. And I went up going to a GameStop, and I saw it there used with, uh, with like, the, the Power Up Rewards thing or whatever for GameStop. I wound up getting it for, like, 2 or $3 cheaper than what I sold it to Nate for. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, now I have that game again. I'm very glad because it's, it's comfort food at this point. I played it last night. And, spe- yeah. and speaking of multiplayer, uh, Scott, we should play some of that at PAX East. Some uh, Star Fox? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm done for that. I never actually played the the 3D multiplayer because I didn't know anyone who had it. So yeah. you, you can play it with bots, actually. Yeah. It's it's really fun. I played it at a couple of the Street Pass events that I went to. I just remember them really putting a lot of emphasis on the fact that your picture would show up in the game. Oh, it's dumb. That is, <laughs> that is beyond dumb. But the, the gameplay is, I mean, the multiplayer is a lot more refined and a lot a lot better. Than this. You can see more than 10 meters in front of you as well. Yeah. And it runs smoothly, nice. yeah. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot to mention this. With Star Wars 64, <clears throat> the weird thing with that was, like, it was released on, like, the Wii Virtual Console. And then it was, like, <laughs> it was, like... And then people were like, oh, man, this runs, like, really well. Like, oh, this is crazy. And if I play with a classic controller, it, it controls weird. And Tano's like, oh, we'll fix that for you. Don't worry about it. And we're going to put the slowdown back in. So it, like, became, like, a worse <laughs> game for the, with the update. So, oh, man, because I, I just read a story, um, the story that Jonathan Metz wrote <clears throat> on, uh, on the site. And it was, like, just lamenting this update and being, like, it controlled perfectly well with the game controller. If you have one, do not update the game at all. Like, it's worse for it. <laughs> but um, Star Wars 64 is, is really good. Uh, Q Games worked on that, too. It's the whole Dylan Cuthbert thing that um, we brought up in the beginning with him working on X, which brought, and then he worked for Argonaut, which made Star Fox. So, anyways, yeah, so he works on Star Wars 64 3D. 
it's just a really nice remake, especially because you can save. <laughs> you can save and, like, leave from where you, you know, saved at instead of having to restart the whole game if something happens. It's a short game, but if you need, it's, a, it's on a handheld now, so it only makes sense to do that. So it's really good. And I can't remember, was the theory that they did record li- re-record lines or that they didn't? They did. They did, but they, they, the just same they got lines. most of the same voice actors. Did they get older actors? Or? I don't think they got every single one, but they got most of them. I was listening to it last night because I was playing a few levels last night, and I was like, ah, oh, well, it still sounds it sounds off. Because like, the inflection on some words is slightly off, and you, you notice it straight away. But it's still good, but it's just something you notice. But um, so now let's talk towards the future. Um, if you want to hear any more about Star Fox 64 3D, uh, look up connecti- Connectivity Episode 1. Uh, we have a whole segment on it. Uh, but the future of this game, uh, back around when 64 3D came out, and Iniwata asks, uh, Miyamoto talked about how he kind of wanted a brand new Star Fox game, and I think he made allusions to, like, it'd be real cool on Wii U. I think he did that more recently. Um and apparently Dylan Cuthbert also would kind of like to revisit it as well. And then we also had uh, Hideki Kamiya from Platinum Games, who's working, he's directing The Wonderful 101 right now, also expressed his interest in Star Fox. So, I guess, I mean, I don't think it's an inevitability that a new Star Fox game comes out. But if one were to, let's uh, let's go around, when do you think it would come out? And who would be behind it? And what system would it be on? Scott? Oh, jeez. Unless, um, unless I could, I could probably go first. No, no, I, I'll, I'll go first. It's fine. Uh, I don't know who would be behind it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like you said, like 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 a, a few people have expressed interest in it, and I think I guess I'd like it if if it was um, Dylan Cuthbert, just because I mean he's done the originals, so like why why not hand it back to him? I think it'd be cool to see what he would do with it now with his tech and everything. Um. And I think I'd like it on Wii U. I don't know. I guess I'm kind of torn. I mean, on one hand, it's kind of fun having portable games, and and this yeah. does seem if it's built like if I mean if it's built like a sequel to Star Fox 64, then just have it on the 3DS. That's fine. You know, just just have the same sort of branch. Use that same engine. Yeah, and they just have a new story, new levels. Great. But if they're going to really try to do something unique or kind of different to kind of make it stand out. Then yeah, do it on Wii U. I mean, just blow it out. I mean, for as long as for having the Wii U now, we haven't really seen first-party like awesome HD-looking games yet. You know, we've had New Super Mario Bros. U, and that there's some neat effects and stuff, and it looks cool, but um, they haven't really pushed the system in any way. And I'd love to see this just like fully realized Star Fox uh, yeah. on the Wii U. I think it would look great. Now I don't want any weird gyro controls with the gamepad. I don't, you know, I don't want anything forced in there for just for the sake of doing it because it's on the console. But I, uh, I think it'd be interesting. That's that's where I'd want it. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, for me, I think I'd rather play it on Wii U because I'd, I'd love to see you know multiplayer kind of come back more in, a, in being a focus and have it be online. And I guess you could also do that on 3DS, but I just feel like, you know, a local and online multiplayer experience on Wii U with Star Fox would be incredible. And there's a part of me that, you know, I'd love to see Q Games and, and Cuthbert work on it, but, I, I mean, they worked on Command, and I really didn't like Command, so I don't know what exactly they would do with it. So there's a part of me that's it's kind of more exciting to see someone like Kamiya and Platinum Games tackle it. Um, they're they're a reliable developer and they have more experience with making you know big dumb HD games, 
Whereas I think I think if Q Games were to make a new Star Fox game, it would be on 3DS. Because they're, I mean, they're, for the most part, they make you know download titles, and and then they made Star Fox 64 3D, and that's it. Um, I think if we see it on Wii U, it'll be platinum, and if we see it on 3DS, it'll be Q Games. And I think if it's platinum, I think we could hear an announcement next year, and the game would probably come out in either late 2014 or early 2015 or something. And I think if it's Q Games, we could see that game by the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. The 3DS one, I, I could see that. I, I think a Wii U one by next year. It's been a long time since a Star Fox game. I mean, apart from the 64 remake. I, I think that would fill in nicely. Maybe reveal it at E3 and then go from there, or maybe hold off and just reveal it early next year. But 2014, yeah. that, that's going to be my call. Yeah, because actually kind of look, looking, at, looking at Q Games uh, right now, I mean, not that they've ever been super, super packed, and they're not a huge studio, but after Star Fix 64 3D came out, um, Pixel Junk Side Scroller came out a month later, and Pixel Junk 4AM came out in 2012, and that's the only thing that they've had come out. I don't even know why we're debating it, because we know Retro, this is the game Retro's working on, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think uh, I want... I guess it's like in, I guess there's two, and I guess maybe that's cheating, but I want Platinum, but my thing is that if I think, just because of where Star Fox is now, in terms of it's like, I think, I worry that there's something where Nintendo's like, I don't think people like anthropomorphic characters anymore. I think that, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I feel like when Solo Turbo came out, that was like a big talking point, people were like, oh, this looks so stupid. Anyways, and I, I think Star Fox, may, they might worry that that's the same thing going on, so I really see it hitting the 3DS no matter who's developing it. Um, and Kamiya doesn't really care about where he works. He just gets a, you know, he just makes the game he wants to make. So I could totally see, just because of budgetary reasons, it being on um, uh, 3DS. Um, but aside from Platinum, who I would prefer, um, my weird theory is always Monster Games, um, because I feel like Monster Games... With like Excite Truck and Excite Bots, they show that they have they can create really good track design. And while it's not the same thing, I think creating an arcade racer that remains entertaining for every lap of the race um, is very very difficult. I don't think that's an easy thing to do. Like people, it, it's just like corridor shooting, like just like a like a on on rail shooter yeah. like Star Fox. And I think that they 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 would be completely capable of pulling that off like just keeping things interesting as you continue along the thing and just the timing and the notes and just like if you play uh, excite bots you see like you know like uh the next there's the weird you know soccer ball to hit and then you go around then you can go up in the trees and you can fly down it's it's just always evolving and always changing so i think they'd be a good fit excite bots is the secret best game on the way yeah (laughs) um but yeah, I mean, Monster Games has also been very quiet since exactly. 2011. Yeah, so. uh, they co-developed Pilot Wings Resort. Like they, they are working with Nintendo anymore. They're working on a game. So I'd like to see Star Fox in them, but of course, Cameo with Star Fox. I think um, he knows what he's doing. Um, obviously. So either way, I'm happy. Yeah. Uh, even Q Games, even Q Games, I'd be happy with. I think Star Fox Command was them wanting to take advantage of their hardware. Um, and, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys remember when it was, like, Star Fox United? <laughs> Someone, like, made some fake yep. screen, and I was like, oh, my, but it looks so good. Like, the U kind of stood out a bit more, and it was, like, United, like, oh, it looks so gorgeous. Oh, man, it was incredible. I still don't think that's a terrible name. No, I still think, I'm like, just because the U, it works, like, I'm like, that's fine, you can keep it. That sounds great. 
Nintendo was probably pissed off when they saw that and like, damn it, they took our name. <laughs> but yeah, I love Star Fox. So I remember something with so like, Nick, Miyamoto you... said. Oh. If, sorry, just I remember Miyamoto said if like he was like, if Star Fox sixty four doesn't sell, sixty four three D doesn't sell, that's it for Star for Star Fox. And I was like, oh man, that's and yeah. there's been no comment of being like it sold well enough, and I don't think they ever would say anything. Yeah, but um. Hopefully, I don't know. Maybe on the eShop it kind of picked up a bit. But it came out at a really bad time in the 3DS where it was like, oh, good, like the second 64 port. This is fantastic, even though it was really, really good. So, yeah, uh, Nick, do you have any theories? Um, Theory-wise, probably echo sort of the similar stuff what you guys have already been saying. But in terms of, um, like, gameplay and stuff that I would like to see, um, I think... Using Star Fox 64 3D as a reboot for the series is the way to go um, forward and just ignore all the past games. Like, that's one of the things I didn't like when they sort of aged the characters up and stuff. Um, So, one of the gameplay things I would want them to do would be to open it, like, right up, be like an expanded Star Fox 64, but with, um, you know, four-player co-op online sort of thing. Um, with uh, multiple paths through each level and stuff. So depending on what direction they took it in, it would depend on what developer it went to. I could see Treasure doing a good Star Fox game, uh, but it's just the scope. I think both Treasure and Q Games would deliver a smaller, more focused uh, scope of a Star Fox game, but maybe someone like Platinum would be able to deliver something more on a large, epic scale, so they could maybe look at including some of the uh, like on-foot missions and stuff again, which I think if they went with on-foot missions, it should be almost sort of ripping off like Gears of War on-foot, like cover-based sort of um, shootouts and stuff. So. so, yeah, I think that's about it for Star Fox. Um, hopefully we'll see a new one soon. I really am uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, um, for sure. This makes me wish I still had my copy of 64 3D. I sold it a while ago for something. Maybe I'll download that soon. <laughs> no, don't download it, because you can get it at GameStop for like 20 bucks. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> like, I, I almost fell into that trap, and then I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> don't be dumb. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> you could wait and yeah. see if they offer it for sale on the eShop soon. Yeah, yeah. maybe. I, I mean, I, I would definitely, I would love to get uh, get this game downloadable on my 3DS, but uh, I'm sorry, I'm not paying double the price right. to, to get the game on, on eShop. Totes. Totes and goats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, do a barrel roll and all that jazz, <laughs> and see you soon. Yep. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. R.I.P. One up.
welcome to another fun, exciting What You've Been Playing segment here on Connectivity. With me, we've got Patrick and Zach, as per usual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we also have a newcomer, a, a veritable brand-new staffer, Kurt Bonds. Hey, everybody. Who we found out through email that he is a distant relative of Barry Bonds, which is blowing my mind. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Hmm. So, like, like, how do you know, like, exactly what the relation is? Or is it just kind of like, our last names are the same? All I know is that he's just a distant cousin of mine. That We've never really met or anything, but... <laughs> Ever gotten a <laughs> Christmas crazy. card? Uh, afraid not. Yeah. I mean, he hit a lot of home runs. He could have spared at yeah, least one he pro- for you. He probably, yeah, he probably attributed <laughs> one to me. And he also took a lot of steroids. Ah. Uh, uh, allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. We need, yeah. to be, uh, we need to be totally, perfectly legal here. <laughs> uh, but so we're going to talk about some games. And because we had a significant amount of overlap, we're not going to do the, the usual, like, hey, Trick, how about you talk? We're going to kind of go down a list of games and then all talk amongst ourselves. So we're going to start off with, I guess, the most recent release. Well, technically, a game that Zach and Scott talked about last week that we'll revisit a little bit is the most recent release, but Brain Age Concentration Training, which came out on February 10th, is the most recent Nintendo release. Which was also my birthday. Oh, oh yeah. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hey! Um, and Kurt and I have both been playing this. I know for me, it's kind of been like a, like a little bit of a Fire Emblem break. Uh, I've been enjoying kind of just diving into this, playing a little bit each day, and it keeps, on, it keeps me coming back because you keep on unlocking more content every day that you play. Mm-hmm. Although, at this point, some of the concentration challenges are just, like, stupid hard, and they kind of are just frustrating to me. I feel like I've <laughs> hit my max without completely breaking my mind and spirit to, you know, be able to do, like, four back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The devilish training shows are friggin' tricky as hell, man. Uh, yeah, I, I've kind of reached my limit with the calculations one, and I just unlocked the the vocal calculation one. And oh, is that, is that the last one? I think so. I mean, I heard Dr. Kawashima say that it was, like, the hardest of all the challenges. That sounds crazy. Yeah, it's basically like the the devilish calculations one, but instead of him showing you the problems, he speaks the problems. Ah, uh, why? <sighs> yeah, exactly. It uh, is, oh, it, the last time I played it, I was, my brain just felt like absolute mush. Yeah, because I, uh, I missed one day, so that's probably what I'm going to unlock today, which Makes me very kind of bummed out. Mm-hmm. But it's actually kind of funny because I enjoyed playing some of the devilish calculator. I guess the the devilish training stuff. Yeah, I like but, a few. I really like a few of them. I because I feel like I'm actually smart and doing well at yeah. it. Yeah, like uh, devilish pairs is real cool. I like the devilish cups. Um, devilish pairs is basically just like memory where you can flip every card over once. And you need to remember everything, yeah. and then you need to go back and flip everyone. And if for every incorrect pair you make after you've seen a card once, then you get, like, a, a point off. Hmm. I would do poorly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really cool. I've been kind of hovering around, I think, like, level 8 or 9, which I think there's, like, 20 cards, 22, something like that. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think somewhere around there as well. I'm actually doing well at the, I think it's Devilish Blocks. Oh, is, that, is that the one where they show you the different blocks and then they'll like highlight one? And yeah, they'll highlight one and then shift the positions. I'm uh, surprisingly really good at that one. Like the first time I tried it, I got up to like level eight or level nine. I think I got to like five or six. I've only played that one once though, but I enjoyed that one. That one mm-hmm. seemed fair. 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I also like uh, the Devilish Cups, but that's mm-hmm. also because I kind of like those, like, trying to remember the numbers and what things are under the cups. Like, those, those things are kind of fun. Yeah, you see, I like I like playing that one, but I've been fluctuating in between three and four cups so many times, it's just... I go I go up to four cups and I screw up. Okay, let's go back to three. Okay, yeah. and I do extremely well at three. Then let's go back to, to four. And nope, I screwed up the very first cup. All right, let's go back to three. <laughs> so it's just yeah. I, I mean, that, that's kind of like I feel like that's when you kind of reach your breaking point. It's yeah. almost like you're beating your head against the wall with some of those. And that that's where I got the devilish calculations pretty quickly, because like I managed to survive three back at one point and then got to four back and immediately just got my shit wrecked. <laughs> yeah. I know how you feel there. He's, yeah, th- yeah, three back is pretty much my limit for there, for, yeah. yeah, for the devilish calculations. But, yeah, other than the devilish calculations, I, I'm absolutely digging this game. Like, I've always liked these games, uh, ever since the first one came out on the DS. Uh, I don't know, they've been, they've been helping me a lot. You know, I mean, I, I know a lot of people kinda, kinda dump on those games for not really being like, you know, the most helpful things in the world are not being scientifically proven or whatever, but I don't know. They've kind of, they've kind of helped me in life being able to like, you know, process things quicker and not just kind of like stammer or stall, uh, during like real life situations. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of like that gamification stuff because it takes like, you know, schoolwork more or less and makes a game out of it. Yeah, exactly. Like I want to do these calculations as fastly and efficiently as possible. So that way I can get a better score. Like, I mean, that's, Screw you, quickly. Good job, English major. <laughs> hey, you know what? You're not doing brain age. Um, but I, I've been digging a lot of, like, the, I guess, well, there's the supplemental stuff, which is the stuff like, uh, you know, the, the calculations, 20 mm-hmm. calculations real, yeah. real quickly. And then um, there's, I guess it's like the, I forget what the name of it is, but it has that thing, Blockhead. Oh, yeah, it's block- basically like, oh yeah, um, that's, yeah I, I like that a lot, too. Um, I'm trying to think of... There's totally a comparison for what it is, but basically there's all these numbered squares that the number represents, like, the point value, mm-hmm. and you are moving your character against, like, Dr. Kawashima's head um, to then get more points than him. And it gets really hard, and they introduce a lot of different things. Like, sometimes, like, you won't be able to see the point value, or you won't be able to see uh, Dr. Kawashima's movements, or he'll move twice, or there will be two of him. And it's it's really, really cool. Unfortunately... It looks like there's only uh, 20 sets of like four problems. Uh, I think there's a bit more than that. I don't. Oh, cool. I don't have. <laughs> yeah, I don't have. I don't have my 3ds with me. My niece kind of kidnapped it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's yeah, there seems to be a lot of problems, and I hit I think level eight of that, and I got to a stage where Dr. Kawashima was able to move two spaces at a time. Yeah, like, that was a tough one. I think yeah. that's what I did the other day. And, yeah, after failing that a few times, it's like, oh, I'm done. Goodbye. <laughs> um, what other ones are there? I also like, uh, I mean, they have the solitaire variations, but they're, which are fun. And one of the relaxation games this time is basically Warrior's Woods. Oh, really? As a big fan of that game, it, that that is so great to play. It's kind of better than the Dr. Mario stuff that have been in past games. What, what what's What's that one called? In That's the, the blob one. It's the only one I have unlocked. Oh, oh, okay. Then yeah, I, I haven't really delved delved much into the uh, relaxation mode yet. Yeah, but that's I, cool. I'm I curious to Mario's know what the other yeah. two are in that. Yeah, I think I just unlocked uh, the Doctor Mario game. Okay. Uh, so I have yeah, I haven't delved into that. Like I said, I haven't Ma- delved into that yet. 
I would assume if they have Dr. Mario, then maybe the last one's like Sudoku or something. Yeah, I would, I would probably imagine there would be a Sudoku yeah. game in there. Yeah, uh, speak, yeah, speaking of the solitaire, the solitaire game in there, uh, I have kind of a funny story about that. I, when I unlocked that, it's like, oh, now you've unlocked Klondike. So I went in there and went into Klondike and they were explaining the rules. It's like, wait a minute, this is, this is solitaire. Who are they trying to, who are they trying to fool? Then I was just bragging to everybody online. It's like, <laughs> these people, these people are obviously putting solitaire in there, but ca- calling it Klondike. What a bunch of, what a, and I just looked up Klondike. It's like, uh, Col- Klondike, also known as solitaire. It's like, <laughs> well, oh. I mean, there's all these variations of solitaire out there. Like, uh, one that, if you haven't unlocked it yet, it's, uh, Spider, Spider Solitaire. solitaire. Oh, yeah. that game is evil. Yeah, and then there's like, there's like Golf Solitaire. Um, golf Solitaire. There's all sorts of different variations on it. Mm-hmm. There's a two-player solitaire, which shouldn't be called solitaire. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, all right, so, Zach. What? Tell us about the Pokemans. Oh, the Pokemans. I uh, got this for 15 bucks at Best Buy because why not? Yeah, you've probably played more of Pokemon Black and White 2 than I have, although I have the black version and you have the white version. Well, I'm, for the first time in a long time in a Pokemon game, I am actually concentrating on getting Pokemon. Not oh, just, weird. Not, I know it is. Uh, you know, I want to try something different, because every game is the friggin' same thing. So yeah. I've been running around trying to get one of each kind of Pokemon. So I'm at the first gym. I'm about to fight the gym leader, but I just found uh, Rylu in the uh, uh, yeah. farm or whatever. But you know what? He doesn't know any fighting moves. Yep. So I'm going to have to train him. I guess, that grind. Is, that is exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to grind him up until he learns, like, low kick or something. Yeah. And then uh, blast through the gym leader. But um, it's the exact same game, uh, but I'm still addicted to it. I mean, that's how I mean, it goes for me. I, I know exactly how you feel, because uh, I got, I got Black 2 right when it came out. Oh. And I think I think mainly because of the fact that I mean, well, both you and I reviewed uh, Heart Gold, Soul Silver, and we Black did. and White together. Yep. That like I had to burn through those games real quick. Yeah. And I was playing Black too, and I, I also had other reviews because it was it was the season. Yep. Um, and uh, I just kind of took my time through it, and then it eventually kind of faded away as we got to like Wii U and stuff. Yeah. But um, I think I I beat the fourth gym leader, and I'm on my way to the fifth. But what kind of killed it for me is that. I started just reaching areas that I had already been to in, in, yeah. in black. That's what I'm and worried about, And that wasn't too. that long ago. And it was kind of like I got to the giant city, and I was like, this doesn't seem like much has changed. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. I, that, that's where that's where I kind of, like, started fading off. It's the um, same game as it always was. Like, I, I enjoy it, and I know I will go back to it at some point. And I, and I actually have. I've had, like, that Pokemon itch, and then I'll go... Like, I was only at the third gym leader uh, from when I played it, and then when X and Y got announced, I went and beat the fourth. <laughs> so I'll probably I'll probably get through it by the time X and Y come out. But Yeah, Black and White 2 is really good fun. I haven't played it in a while, but, uh, yeah, I, I was kind of the same way with you. It's like when I got to the big back to the big city, it was like, oh, this again, okay. <laughs> but yeah. uh, once, I, once I got to uh, – once I started unlocking more stuff in uh, the Join Avenue – is when I really started like really liking the game, because because oh. uh, uh, I haven't really played Pokemon competitively, uh, oh, mainly because 
mainly because like all like the EV training to me just seems like really tedious work. Yeah. It's just like yeah, I really don't want to do that. But uh, you can actually unlock a shop in Join Avenue, with, and you can like actually pay you know the store clerk or whatever to EV train your Pokemon. Oh wow. wow. That's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, and uh, I think it's called the <sighs> crap. I can't even remember the name of it. It's been a while, but yeah. Uh, I mean, it's kind of expensive to kind of expensive to um, do that. Get them, get them, get their EV levels to like you know pretty high levels. But if you go to there's like places later in the game where you can earn like lots of money and experience and be able yeah. to do that with no problem and just huh. yeah get those EV levels like pretty dang high. That's is it like the nursery where you have to leave your Pokemon yeah, there for? It's not not really. You just you just go to you just go to the clerk. Is like, hey, I want to uh, have my Pokemon Pokemon trained in special attack level sixty four or whatever. And it's like, here, give give them the Pokemon. It's like, all right, go go punch punch and stuff like that. And a few <laughs> seconds, a few seconds later, it's like, all right, your Pokemon's trained up and they're EV oh, levels wow. raised. Just yeah. feeds him some steroids, and he's all better. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give him some HGH. <laughs> I was really irritated that uh, Genesect was a timed thing. Well, I mean, make me an offer, and you can have my No, Genesect. no, I will. I just I have to put other Pokemon in there. I don't know. I mean, Andrew Andrew laid a shiny Mew on the table. Yeah, see, so. I can't beat that shit. <laughs> I, 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 honestly, I don't really care. It's just I used Genesect for a little bit and was like, eh. Oh, really? Is not that great? Well, he's really overpowered, and it kind of makes bug? it not fun. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah. That was kind of thing. Is like I, I would like sometimes. Sometimes I would, it, I would absolutely love like kind of an overpowered thing to help me through some of the more tedious parts of the game. But it made it like a bit too easy for me. It's like okay, yeah. I'm back in the box. Oh. Well, I mean that that kind of segues a little bit into uh, another game that we have. Everyone except for Zach been playing Fire Emblem Awakening, oh, and that early on, I'm gonna I go kind of a 3DS guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zach, do you have anything else you want to say about Pokemon before I take us down that dark path? I like it. I'm addicted to it, and I won't be able to stop playing it. That's cool. Mm. Um, maybe yeah, we yeah. can play online. I don't know. I haven't played a Pokemon game really online outside of doing some trading. In like yeah, me neither. Diamond and Pearl. Oh, me since yeah. Heart Gold, Soul Silver. Yeah, but um, so yeah, uh, Fire Emblem Awakening. I, I kind of had the same moment with, like, Frederick early on, where he's a very overpowered character, and I just kind of ignored him because I'd rather train up my guys. And even now, um, I'm at, like, chapter 21, 20, something like that. And I have a lot of characters that are, you know, S-rank relationships, really high levels, pretty overpowered. And I will always throw in, like, a couple weaker guys to try to level them up. Um my Donald is pimp as shit at this point. <laughs> That's because... what I just started doing today. I was uh, summoning the, you can summon the creatures all around the map. Yeah. And I was just fighting them and using Donald to level him up. Yeah, so what I ended up doing with Donald is, you know how you get all those those different items that are like plus two to this attribute or plus two to that or plus two to everything? You loaded them all on Donald? I used every single one of them <laughs> on Donald. Because so I just great. got to a point where I was like, well, I don't really know, like, which character to use these on. And this guy's really freaking weak. And now he's at a point where uh, he's a mercenary. And I think he's, he's closing in at level 10. I don't even have him at, like, a master class left. But he's better than most of my guys that are a master class level. I was um, reading online that the reason he's better is he has that one skill that yeah. allows him to level up his abilities more often. Yep, yep. Which is awesome. That means I should probably work with his kid too. I had him marry the dancer. 
Um, I forget what his kid's uh, name is. The uh, dancer Olivia, that one. Yeah. Okay. Jim. His um, kid's name is Jim. No, I mean, <laughs> I think it's a dude, but I forget. Um, I still haven't gotten to that portion of the game where you can uh, have the relationships. I think my highest relationship level is maybe A. I think. Okay. Yeah, because what you're probably like chapter eight or nine or something. Uh, Eleven right now. Okay. Yeah, you're yeah. you're on the cusp of yeah. when all that all those shenanigans start to happen, and then I mean, you'll be able to like relationships kind of go real quick during then because that that was pretty much after that. And once I got my first kid, then I just started kind of grinding relationships and levels. So I have like I I I could theoretically roll into any fight with a bunch of people that are married to each other, paired up. Uh, it's really like this game is awesome, and even <laughs> some of the stuff that they do in later later stages, they're really neat. And like uh, like there's one where like you're fighting in a volcano. Oh, like it's bananas. And I haven't even gotten to like the last couple chapters, which I've heard are pretty crazy. And I keep on telling myself I won't get in too deep with the DLC, but I think that's going to happen because <laughs> I, I got I got the Champions of Your stuff, and I and I played the third one uh, last night. And I was looking at, like, the Golden Gaffy one, and I was just like, I guess, you know what? I could use a lot of gold and experience. This could <laughs> that be was, fun. That was my thought. I was just reading the description. It was like, reward gold, and I was like, well, that sounds like it's for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I'm going to get all of that. I think after I beat the game, it might not happen immediately, but I will do, uh, on, a, on hard difficulty, I'll probably try to run through the game. I love this game so much. <laughs> yeah, before I got the game, I was looking through the through the eShop at like the add-on content and stuff, and uh, yeah, I saw that. It was like, get yeah, get these maps, and you can gain extra experience and cash. It's like, why would I ever need that? And I <laughs> actually got bought the game, and it's like, that's actually really tempting. Well, the one thing that I found with gold is that, like, if you play some of the side missions, you'll get a lot of uh, bullions, and uh, mm-hmm. you'll be able to sell them off. So I haven't had that much of an issue for gold. It's just mainly remembering to sell all that stuff. Mm. I'm only at around level, uh, f- I think, chapter four or five of the game. And, and what, uh, uh, what what difficulty are you playing on? Uh, I started playing at hard. I've never played. I've never played a single Fire Emblem game before <laughs> this one. So I started out fellow. started out as hard. It's like, you know, I might as well go big or go home. And then I went big and subsequently went home. AKA <laughs> so, normal. Yeah, I've been I've been going through normal and it, I mean it was decently challenging early on cuz mm-hmm. they're like my characters weren't, you know, the relationships weren't all there. And then at this point, um as long as I roll with my character with like their S rank relationships, mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty much unbeatable. Even um, though you do play on normal, I think the game is still challenging and... Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because yeah, it, it, it is the kind of thing, like, if you make a wrong move, you're fucked. No, I, I just did that in my mission. I uh, had my... Uh, you can show the enemy's target area, and I put one of my stronger guys in that area thinking he can just tank the uh, yeah enemy fire, but nope, they just strolled right up and killed him, and I'm just yeah. like, well, that was a pain. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do have kind of a, a nice story related to Fire Emblem Awakening and, of all places, GameStop. Um, as a lot of people know, uh, the GameStop pre-orders for this game were fucking abysmal. Oh, yeah. So I, I had a pre-order at GameStop because they were giving out an art book, and my usual rule of thumb is like, oh, GameStop has a pre-order, I'm definitely going to get the game. I'll stroll in a week before the game comes out and throw it out a pre-order. Um, just because it's like, I'm going to buy the game anyway, there's no better Amazon deal or anything. May, might as well do it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, you know, I, I was in contact with GameStop during the whole, like, Fire Emblem Gate crap where we didn't know when it was going to come into stock. And they were like, it's not going to come in until March. Panic in the streets. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. Um, so midnight turned Sunday night, and I just bought it on the eShop. And do not regret that for a second. Uh, and then I got, like, a call from, from GameStop, like, Tuesday night that was just like, oh, your copy's in if you want it. And, uh, and, and I didn't. And I finally went in there to kind of like, uh, I changed my pre-order to Pandora's Tower. But as, as I was talking to the guy at the register, they reached and grabbed me one of the art books and gave it to me. Um, it's a pretty nice little art book. It's not anything that I would spend money on, but for free. Yeah, sure. I'll take it. It's the least they could do after that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they just didn't get my business, so. Yeah. I don't feel too betrayed. I was kind of on the fence between retail and download, and I'm kind of glad I went download because... They didn't get your business, but yet you pre-ordered another game from them. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, it, it's for me, is that, like, I, I spent, like, uh, in college, I thought for some reason it would be a good idea to get a second job. So I worked part-time at a GameStop during a holiday season. Um, and I, I kind of learned some of their practices, which is, like, if a person... If, if, like, you take your pre-order off, then that person gets a negative pre-order, and if they get a negative pre-order, usually their manager just fucking yells at them. Oh, jeez. So, I mean, it's, like, the kind of thing where, like, you can't really worry about that that much at the end of the day, but for me, it's, like, if I know there's another game that I want, I'm not just going to cancel the pre-order. I'll change it to something else. Mm. I feel so bad now because I had pre-ordered, like, five or six Wii U games <laughs> and then cut it down to two. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? It's a fucked up practice. One of those was Rayman Legends, and I do not regret. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I did enjoy the moment where I think I was I was in a GameStop right when that new like the day that that news hit, talking to the guy at the register, and he's just like, "Oh, do you want to pre-order Rayman Legends that comes out in a few weeks?" And I'm like, "No, it's not coming out in a few weeks." And he's like, "What?" It says in our system, February 26. I'm like, "Your system is wrong." <laughs> I think I was at GameStop, too, when that news had just come out. and uh, I like this. We all remember where we were yeah. when we heard that <laughs> Rayman Legends wasn't coming I out. I had just woken up around noon to hear the news. I couldn't believe it. It was like a TV show. <laughs> I thought it was a joke at first. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, I also have been playing a little bit of a, a press preview on Steam for Tokitori 2. Which, I'm really, really excited that game, except for the Steam beta thing runs like dog shit. Mm -hmm. So, as long as the Wii U version runs at a steady frame rate and pace, it'll be really cool. Well, that's what I've been, yeah, that's what I've been hearing. That's what they, one of their features that they've been, like, highlighting, that it's 60 frames per second, I think. Yeah, but not on the PC. Which, good, because it's a Wii U game. (laughs) Right. So as long as it as long as the frame rate is nice on the Wii U, this game will be a lot of fun. I mean, it's it is a deliberately slow paced game, but just kind of strolling through the areas, it looks beautiful, and I like a lot of the the puzzles are fun. Cool. All right. So now we get to the time of the show where we talk about some games that aren't on Nintendo systems. Mm-hmm. Zach, Hi. how about you follow up on Dead Space Three? So I'm uh, not liking it anymore. Uh, my and, and where were you last week on it? Last week I was, this is okay. Still waiting for it to gear up, but yeah, I'll play it. Now I actively dislike it. Um, Would you say it gears of, gears of ward up? No, not at all. Okay, so, so what makes it so crappy? Well, okay, so the weapon crafting sucks. It, it sucks all the dicks. Um, because... <laughs> You don't know what you're supposed to do. 
It's just yeah. like craft new weapon. All right. And then you experiment with shit and you try to put in, you know, upgrade circuits that are like plus two reload, but minus one damage. But in fact, that circuit does nothing. It doesn't increase or decrease anything. It just, I hate it so much. And, uh, <laughs> so I just use my plasma cutter like every other dead space game. I powered that up as much as I could and just blast shit from here to kingdom come. Uh, to be fair, the plasma yeah. cutter is pretty rad. It really is. I don't know why they have other weapons in that game. Um, the, so they can sell them. Yeah, so they can sell them. What's nice is that ammo is not individualized anymore. It's just ammo. That's so, cool. Well, yeah, I guess. Um, okay, so uh, do you remember when I talked about Darksiders 2 a few months ago? And my, you, you remember my biggest complaint about that game? Um, I kind of space out every time you talk about Darksiders too much. I like know. You probably spaced out when we talked about Fire Emblem. I know that's fine. Can I can I guess it was all the uh, armor customization stuff? No, I actually kind of like no. that in that game. Oh, never mind. No. Um, no, it's that you're freaking death, but you're an errand boy. You yeah. do everybody's laundry all the time. I and do remember that. I did pay attention. Yes, but that's what Dead Space Three is. You know, in Dead Space One. He had a mission. He was just with two other people on the Ishimura. He was tripping balls. Tripping balls in Dead oh, Space dude, 2. Dead, Dead Space 1 is so damn good. It really is. In Dead Space 2, the dude didn't have missions so much as I need to get to the government sector and destroy the marker. Nobody was telling you what to do over the phone. You yeah. were doing it your damn self. In this game, he does everything for everybody. All the time. Isaac, we need you to go turn on the generator, because we're all idiots. All right. Turn on the generator, come back. That takes a half hour. Hey, you know what? I'm glad you turned on the generator, but it's not working. So can you solve this puzzle? Because we're all up here on this catwalk, and none of us can get down there. Uh, so could you do it? All right, fine. That takes ten minutes. I'm glad you did that, Isaac, but you know what? We need to build this little probe gun, okay? And none of us know where it is, but we think it's in three pieces. So if you could go all the way over to the other side of the complex and, you know, find those and then build it and then come back and give it to us, that would be fantastic. You know what, guys? I, I'm going to do that because I like you. Cool. Thanks. Do that. That takes 40 minutes. Come back. They say, you got the probe gun. Fantastic. We need you to go into the belly of this frozen monster and shoot its nerve endings. And, by the way, there are lots of monsters down there. So, you good with that? You know what, guys? I'm going to do that, too. That is the whole game. Every time you do something for somebody, they have something else for you to do. The whole game is a fetch quest. It pisses me off so much. It's kind of funny, because hearing a lot of the complaints about Dead Space 3... It's kind of eerie how the Dead Space trilogy parallels the Mass Effect, tri Mass Effect trilogy. Well, my brother was saying that, too. Because it's the kind of thing where, like, the first games were both, like, they did pretty unique things. And then the second ones were, like, that, but finally polished and amazing. And then the third ones, like, I heard the same complaints about Mass Effect 3, in which it's like, like, you spend most of the game just kind of, like, helping people out for shits and giggles. Oh, it just drives me absolutely crazy. And it never stops. That's the whole game. It really is the whole game. So I'm getting sick of it. I know that the I've, the ending was accidentally spoiled for me when I was uh, reading the Dead Space art book. 
Um, but that's good because the ending, the final act sounds incredible. Like it might make up for the rest of the game, but holy crap, the rest of the game is a nightmare. Uh, that sucks. That's really disappointing. Just go play Dead Space 2 and read the Wikipedia page about Dead Space 3. <laughs> All right, so Kurt, you've been playing some Nino Kuni. Yes, I have. How far are you in the Nino Kuni? Uh, I just got uh I just got onto the ship of going to the northeast. That means nothing to oh, me. Okay. <laughs> talk hours, uh, talk hours, man, and then start talking about Have you about found that Totoro yet? Uh no, I have not found Totoro. I have found a oh. giant cat. Uh, who is a king, who everyone calls your majesty. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, so this is a Dragon Quest game. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds like one. But yeah, I'm about uh, eight or nine hours in. I just got myself a okay, ship, cool. and I'm just sailing across the sea, Wind Waker style. Uh, well, not specifically Wind Waker style, but just sailing. <laughs> but yeah. I, I feel like sailing like a link. If you're already getting a ship and you can sail around... Comparable to like the Tales series, you don't normally get the ship until about until, halfway through the until game. Until hour sixty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think I'm fairly early on in the game, so yeah, you get a ship pretty quickly. Um, it's interesting that they give you that much freedom. At least I'm assuming there's some kind of freedom with that. Uh, yeah, I, I've, yeah, like I said, I've only, I'm only about eight or nine hours in, so I'm not really sure of the grand, like what the grand scope of thing, uh, things is just yet. But uh, I'm really enjoying my time with the game so far. Uh, I have not really played a Japanese RPG uh, in a long time. Uh, in a long, mainly just I just really haven't been interested in a lot of them. Not to say that necessarily they're bad games. It's just like none of them really reached out to me and was like, and I was like, oh, you know what? I should go get that. I think the last one that that was like that for me was probably uh, Tales of Symphonia back on the GameCube. Oh uh, yeah, really love that game, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really liking this game so far. Uh, it's uh, how should I explain it? It's it has a bit of a Pokemon aspect to it in terms of just like you're not you're not the actual like kind of person doing the fighting. You kind of send out these little creatures called familiars, and they kind of do the fighting for you. I mean, you can do stuff yourself like whack people with sticks and crap like that. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, you can have your own spells and stuff like that. But most most of the time, you're just sending out your familiars to do the fighting for you. And uh, you, you can basically, once you get a certain party member, you can basically recruit any monster that you come across if they feel inclined to actually join you. Like, they'll have, like, little hearts floating around, and you can, like, kind of serenade them into joining your party. And, uh, like, yeah, pretty much any monster you can fight, you can, re- you can recruit. And I, th- I thought that kind of aspect was really cool. Because uh, I I always yeah I always feel like uh, I always kind of see what's it, how I'm trying to word this. <laughs> um, I always found it interesting when whenever I would play in, like a Japanese role playing game, like kind kind of wonder like how would how would these monsters that I'm battling actually fare if they were like you know leveling up with me? You know, it's kind I know it's kind of a weird thought, but. I never really felt like there are a few there are a few RPGs that do do that. Really? Yeah, I think one of the I think one of the more recent Final Fantasies does. Oh, really? Which which one? Yeah, uh, I want to say twelve. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I never I never played twelve. Yeah, that is oh man, that's so surprising that I never got around to playing that. There, 
there have been so many games that I felt like, you know, I should play and just never really got around to it. Don't know why, but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, back to Nino Cooney. Uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really enjoying my time with it. I feel like this is the first time I've been like really invested in a game. Uh, in terms of just like sitting down and playing it for, just playing it for hours on end, and that's that's a good feeling that I've just have that I've just kind of missed. Because uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I love all these games that I get. It's just I've never really played. I never really played a game for more than maybe like a half hour at a time. But it's just like man, it's it's a good feeling to just kind of get wrapped up in this world again and just play it for hours and not feel like I'm just, you know, wasting time or anything like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I like I said the the graphics are just absolutely beautiful. The yeah, the cutscenes are, you know, animated by Studio Ghibli and those are really beautiful as well. And they they really just take advan they really take advantage of an HD TV. Like I've I, Oh yeah. Yeah, I've always I mean I've always been, like, a fan of just, like, very, just vibrant, just vibrant-looking games, because I feel like a lot of these games that get released nowadays for, like, the PS3 and 360 uh, don't really take advantage of, like, you know, you have this, like, you know, HD system, 1080p, and you're you're just developing games that just have, like, various shades of brown and gray and stuff, so it's like you don't really take advantage of, like, the resolution and stuff, and this one does it, like you know, completely, and is is just a treat to just turn on every single time. That's why I feel so fortunate that the first game that I played when I got an HDTV was Prince of Persia oh, yeah. 2008, oh, man. that game looked gorgeous. I freaking love that game. I need to play that again. It's so good. <laughs> but yeah. I kind of want to replay it now that you've been talking about it. Yeah, it's re- yeah, it's really good. I, I, I spent... Yeah, I spent quite a few hours on that too, and I just kind of got distracted and never went back to it. But yeah, I need to play that again too. Yeah, I, I played it to completion and was thinking about getting yeah, the ending uh, DLC, uh, uh, but I heard it was garbage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I oh, it's, it is bad. It is bad because it completely negates the ending. Oh, uh, really? It was such a good yeah. ending too. And it ends on a cliffhanger, a huge cliffhanger that never gets resolved, uh, which was never uh, sequelized. <laughs> yeah. Stupid Assassin's Creed being successful. <laughs> I know. Um, Nolan North's best work. <laughs> but speaking of living in the past, I've been playing, uh, well, not recently, but last week I played the first world in Sly Cooper Thieves in Time, mm. which is the fourth Sly Cooper game. I think the last one came out in like 2005 or something crazy oh, like really that. Really wasn't that long ago? Sure. Dang. I think I think it was, it was a PS2 game. Yeah, it was a PS2 game. Maybe maybe 06. I don't I'll know. Look that up. But either way, it's been a long ass time. And Sly Four is a fantastic game. Um, I really enjoy playing it. I love the fact that I can just go between my PS3 and my Vita very very easily. 2005. Yeah. September 26, 2005. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, just about eight, like seven and a half years ago, it was it came out. Um. And it's just a really, really fun game that I feel like we don't get enough of these days because it's, you know, it's a good, like, cartoony, third-person, kind of, like, platformer action game. Yeah, old-school, not old-school, but last-generation character-based platformer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and it has a stealth elements, too. And, uh, I mean, that's that's a huge part of the game. But even, the, even that, like, there's just some 
there's like this whimsy about the game that I just adore because it really it looks great. It looks fantastic on the PS3, and it doesn't quite look as good because it's not cell shaded on the Vita. Oh, really? But for kind of like an abstraction of the PS3 game, the Vita version is is perfectly fine. And you're getting um, to play something on your Vita. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Even even if um, it's a console game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's it's really it's it's just it's delightful to play the game. It's it's funny. The voice acting is good. And the variety that you get to go through because you play as Sly Cooper, and then in each of each like area that you go to, you get to play as one of his relatives as well. And they, for the most part, control the same, but they have they have different abilities. Like uh, you have like a focus jump from his his Japanese relative, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it easier to kind of like hop from point to point. Um, and then you also play as Bentley and Murray. And uh, Murray is the big pink hippo who just smashes stuff. Thankfully, you don't really seem to play him plays him that much because his parts are just kind of like go around and smash stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not that fun. But the stuff with the turtle, Bentley, uh, you either go around on his wheelchair and uh, and like kind of like sneak around and you know, thwart enemies and stuff. And then you hack stuff, which brings up these like fun little kind of like arcade like mini games. Like there's one that's kind of like a like a shooter. Like a like a side like a, a side scrolling shooter. There's one where you're, it's like a it's like a twin stick shooter as you're going through an environment. Yeah, I remember playing um, that in the demo. Yeah, um, and that's really fun. And it seems like, as long as this game keeps up this pace throughout the rest of it, it'll be a blast. And uh, I just got to the second area in the old, the Wild West, and it's fun mm. with uh, Tennessee Kid Cooper. Uh. <laughs> Is your is your ancestor uh, married to Sly's mother the, the, <laughs> in, the, uh, in the previous games? And it doesn't make any sense. Right. That was a pretty ridiculous back- attempt at a Back to the Future reference. <laughs> it really was, right? Yeah. Uh, I applaud you, but, I mean, I got it, so I it just, doesn't work. I just saw that movie the other day, so, you know. I For the first time, the future three is pretty damn good. No, 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 not the first time, but just recently. Oh, okay. By the way, that's the best Back to the Future movie. Which one, three? Really? Oh yeah. I think I think uh, one is is by far the I I guess one is by far the best movie. You know, in all honesty, okay. I I like all three of them exactly the same. Yeah. And I I just it's feel like, like it's just one kids at a certain. Yeah, point. I feel like it's just one straight kind of narrative. And it's just, it's hard for me to really pick a certain part that I like so much because, to me, they all just kind of blend blend together. See, I actively dislike two because two is one again. Yeah, uh, I guess I can see your point there, but... No. I mean, I liked it for what it was, yeah. I think two is the weakest of the three. Yeah. Um, but that's mainly because it doesn't have a consistent narrative throughout it. Sure. Whereas yeah, one, true, you know, you have 1955... Out. In three, you have 1855, or is it 1885? Forget. I, I think know. it's 1885. Um, then in in two, you're going, you go to the future, and then you go back to the present, and then it's not the real present. And you go to the, to the 50s, and then you go back, <laughs> and then everything's fine, and then you, you end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but now that we're talking about Back to the Future, I think that just about does it for what you've been playing. Uh, thanks for joining us. You know, hit us up, connectivity at NintendoWorldReport.com, et cetera, et cetera. See y'all soon. Goodbye. Bye.
Alright, and that will do it for episode 74 of Connectivity. As always, you can send us listener mail to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. If you get a chance to rate and review us on iTunes, that'd be great. Uh, You should follow us on Twitter. Go to nintendoworldreport.com and look for the Twitter sidebar on the right side of the page, and you can find all of our usernames there. And uh, next week, we should be doing a bonus segment with Dr. Jonathan Metz, uh, again, talking about space. So if you have questions about space, be sure to uh, email them to me at, again, connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. We'll see you guys next week.